Y'all like this weather better? I do. They could just do this year round and leave that cutting off the hour. Just leave it lighter longer. How about that? Uh, we got uh, something different tonight. Now, if you didn't know, let me tell you. Uh, we have um, uh, we've been doing Curry Blake's Divine Healing Training Seminar, which is a long seminar. Now, if you went to the seminar, it wouldn't be long. You'd be there three, six-hour days and be over with, and it'd be more pulled together. That's kind of hard. To, it's kind of hard to take 18 weeks because that's one-third of a year if you're going to do it on Wednesday, so you you can't find uh, everyone who com can come together. Well, I can. I don't know. But anyway, so see, like uh, you can't get 18 people or 18 uh, weeks together, so you kind of miss this part and you miss that part, and that's... Uh, a lot of times there's questions. People say, well, you know, why is this? Well, that was covered in the fourth video. And uh, so uh, what we're going to do, uh, there's, there's, I'm informed there's, what, three left? Three left. And so, um, uh, and of course, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, if you want one, we don't want to just spend the time in the ink and the paper and the time for somebody to run off. Uh, if you're not interested in that, but if you are interested in that, I guess we could have a piece of paper out there. And uh, if you if you would like the outlines for the, for the next three lessons to what would be said on the tape, then um, let us know because we're not going to view them. But we can also we can do it two different ways. We can go ahead and uh, record them like we're having a service during the day, and then we can upload them like they have been uploaded. But I don't think a is anyone, have you used the uh, online to, to view any of them, honestly? And um, so if that's a good way, that'd be probably easier for us because we just put them on there and say, hey, there, there they are. So you would, you would have the lesson and you would have the syllabus and you could go back at your, at your leisure and do it. Uh, we probably can make a CD if we want to, can't we? Yeah, well. Yeah. So that probably the best way. So that, would that just stay on our website for till we don't want it to? So that's that's what we're going to do right there. So uh, if you got a computer, you got a smartphone. If you don't, uh, then let me know and I'll and I'll get you tape. I'll do it that way. So we're we're, we're trying to do this, but we, we we need to move on to some other things. Uh, also, I think I told you that. Uh, uh, the, these seminars have been taught for, for years all over the world. So there's four of them where Curry Blake has taught these uh, seminars in different parts of the world. Uh, the first one I watched, he was in Australia, and I thought that was really good. So they're all 18 videos because it, it took him 18 hours to cover the material. So he did it, you know, 50 minutes or so, have a 10-minute break, come back. So it would be like a six-hour class for the day. So it would be like going to work. And uh, well, six hours, not quite, but anyway. So we're we're going to finish uh, that, and, and if so, if you want the the syllabus to go with it, we can certainly uh, do that. And so, just let us know so you'll have the syllabus to go with your tape. Is is that okay? Because there's t there's and that way, if you missed one or some of them, you can maybe go back and and view what you missed and and see what he's talking about there. So, is that okay? Well, we have something different tonight. And uh, so I'm going to spend just a few minutes. Uh, I, I want to say a few things to you, and then we're going to have a, um, a guest minister uh, via YouTube. And uh, um, ha have you ever, um, and this is just something I just viewed, uh, the, the way I get things sometimes is, uh, I don't guess it's strange, but, uh, you know, when Christians pray, they should expect the Holy Spirit to talk to them. It, that's not strange, is it? How many of y'all believe in prayer? How many know prayer should be two ways? How many know sometimes in prayer the best thing to do is shut up? <laughs> because uh, here's what I know about this, especially from counseling. You already know everything you know. And if you knew how to fix it, you would have already done it, if you're kind of like me. If I could fix all my problems, I would have done them at least yesterday, right? So when you go in prayer, remember it's two ways, but you're talking to the one who knows everything. So anything we tell him is not information. 
So a lot of times uh, through the years, not always, I've just been led to, to go do something. Uh, we, we, we sing a song from time to time called The Song of the Redeemed. I didn't know it was even on, in the world. And so he said, go look this up, and there it was. There's only one song, but no one had sang that, and that's one of the songs that we do. He said, I want you to do that song. So I guess he liked it. I guess, I guess God liked this song. And so we, they learned this song and, and did that, and he said, it, it, says what, what you, it says what I want you to say, and I want to know about me towards you and your heart. And so we learned that song. So this is a video that I just, uh, I was led like that to go do this. And um, this is from Dr. Cho. And Dr. Cho is still alive. He's, he's 81. He's in Korea. Uh, he, he, he's retired. But he's known to have the, lar the largest church in the world. Um, the largest church in the United States today is, is Joe Osteen's church. Some say it's 37,000. Some say 52,000. Uh, by Dr. Cho's standards, that's not even a good prayer group. <laughs> so it, it's all relative. You know, it doesn't matter. So um, tonight, we're going to see about 38 minutes of how God put vision in his heart to go from, he'll, he'll give just the highlights of how to go and take a vision from zero to a million people in 38 minutes. Would you like to hear that? Now, he's, he's Asian, so he won't sound like he's from Alabama. So you, might, you may have to listen. You might miss a few words. But I've viewed this thing several times to say, oh, that's what he was saying. So I have never, I've, I have a couple of these books, but I've never really ever thought to even go listen. And he has, of course, lots of stuff uh, on there. And um, so I, I want you to see that. But go with me really quickly before we do that. Is go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. 30. Deuteronomy 30. It's on page 279. And this, if you've got a red Bible, just like this one. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, you're, you're not here by accident, and I don't, I don't mean tonight uh, so much. I, I mean, you're, you're, you wasn't born into this world by accident. Now, I've heard parents tell the children that, you know, this, you, you were an accident. Well, it, it might have been a surprise to them, but you're no accident. And God knows everything about you. He knows more about your future than you know about your past. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were conceived. Now, you've got to be smart to do that, to know someone before they're born. You say, how do, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing in question. Is question, I got one. How could you know us before we were? And I guess he'll have an answer for us. So there's a, there's a destiny in an ultimate plan for your life, and it's, it's always good. It doesn't mean it's without struggle because... Jesus promised there would be struggles, but he said, but when you come into struggles, go ahead and be of good cheer because I've already went ahead and overcome your struggle. So the identity is renewing our mind to knowing who he is and what he's already done ahead of time, right, so we can experience the victory that he's already won for us. I'm not talking about church. Although you need to be involved, I'm talking about relationship. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, church is only mentioned, the word church is only mentioned two times. The ki kingdom is mentioned 120 sometimes. So God's kingdom minded, not so much church minded. Pastors don't like to tell you that, but it's, it's true whether pastors like to tell you not. It, it's kingdom minded because they're, they're worried about their money. But God's got a plan for all of it. So there's no need to worry about any of it. Now, uh, Deuteronomy 30, re really simple. I know you know these words. Uh, verse 19, I call, he said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. And he's telling Israel, he said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, now, man has free will, right? So he's saying before you, I'm, I'm setting this, a decision before you. 
And the decision that you can make is between have life or have death. You can live in blessing or you can live in the curse, cursing. And then he tries to give you a little hint. He said, choose life. See that? That both you and your seed may live. And uh, you say, well, yeah, but I, but I got these problems. Well, in that same chapter uh, of the 30th chapter in the 14th verse, it said the word is nigh you in the 14th verse of chapter 30. Now, how many believe the answers to life is in this word? Four of you. So let me tell the rest of you it is. The word is is very nigh, it says unto you. So here it says the word's near you. Well, if the word is your answer, that means the answer is where? It's near you. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what I'm going to do. The answer is near. I don't know if there's any way out of this thing. The answer is near. See, it seems far away to you. It seems impossible to you. It seems like it's, you know, uh, it, it, God has a, has a lifetime. Well, that's a funny word to use for God. ain't a lifetime. But uh, of taking things that are completely damaged and totaled and turn them around to total victory. Most of the disciples that Jesus picked were as a wreck. You, you wouldn't have stayed up all He stayed up all night and prayed about who the 12 was going to be, and most of them were a bunch of misfits and wrecks. And uh, so God's good at taking situations, even when people make, now people don't like to say this, but let's just be honest, not all your problems, but if you're like me, most of your problems are self-inflicted. We don't, we don't like this. No, it's, it's them. It's this. It's the system. It's this. It's, it's the president. It's, it, it, it's, it's my race. It's, it's this generation. It's the, it's the Republicans. No, it's the Democrats. It's, you know, it, it's the taxes. It's this state. It's my pastor. It, it, it's all this. It, it, it's not me, right? We didn't lose the election. It was, it's Russia, and, 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 and they colluded, and... We have great policies, and it was they stole it from us. <laughs> if they'd ever just followed that thought, saying, "Well, they told us all the stuff which was, which was true that was leaked, right?" And we made a decision, <laughs> right? So I better get off that in a hurry. So the word is where it's very near you. It's in your heart. It's, well, first, you see it's in your mouth. The word is in your mouth, and it's in your heart. And what and what that is is that's 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 the word, but it's also vision. Say vision. It's vision. So t tonight will be about vision, okay? Now, Joshua chapter 1, just go a few more pages over to your right. Head north a little bit and stop off on Jap uh, Joshua chapter 1. Moses, of course, died. In case you hadn't saw that on Fox News, Moses is dead now. And uh, some people got saved and they started the New Testament and they didn't ever know Moses was dead. They heard about him but it's, he, he's gone. <laughs> he's been gone a while. I heard someone say the other day uh, uh, they said uh, I, I didn't know Max, Michael Jackson died. I said well, where you been? <laughs> I mean you been under rock? <laughs> I said yeah it's been, been a little, little while back a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah and of course you know they say Elvis is still alive. I don't, I don't know. So he says, verse 2, Moses, my servant's dead. Now therefore arise and go. He's dead. Your time. Go. Moses was the leader. My, he was chosen. He's gone. I've chose you. Now you go. See, God's beginning to go. Commission is what? Not sit. Commission is what? Go. Go over to this Jordan and to all his people. Go to the land which I did give to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that high have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. In other words, God's got a place for you. You got a place. You got a possession. You got a land. You got a dream. You got a goal. You got something good waiting on you. God's ready to put your foot down and tread upon it. Y'all going to be a hard crowd on me tonight, I can tell. So then he gives them some uh, geography, some logistics from uh, Lebanon to Euphrates, and he talks about uh, they'll overcome the Hittites and 
they had to fight a lot of people like that. The Jebusites, the Hittites, the, the Amorites, and they had to fight all the Ites and the Tite brothers. And they did, and they won. Uh, verse 5 says, There should not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, I, I know we're reading Joshua. What God is speaking to Joshua after Moses is gone, but this is God speaking to you. Yeah. you Got to get this. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You say, well, I'm trying to qualify for this, but they said I don't. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Well, I need this, but I only have this, so I'm stopped. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. We have a friend of ours in ministry, well, Pastor Buzz, you hear him talk about all the time. His wife has a call in her life, and they're, they're constantly saying, you can't do this. Miss Sutherland, you can't do this. You're a woman, you can't do this. I, I just got tired. I don't hardly ever get on Facebook, but I just had to just work on that a little bit. And uh, so men telling her, you can't do this. You're a woman. No man be able to stand for you all days of your life. Hmm? Well, we have a vision to build so-and-so. But the bank says no. No man be able to stand for you all days of your life. Doctor says I can't do this. And I've only got this. And I'm going to do this. No man stand before you all days of your life. Are, are you kind of catching on? So the man, the plan, the system, the system of this world, it's not your plan. You're not even from this world. Jesus said, I'm not of this world. They're not of this world. They're in the world for a season like I'm in the world. So they won't operate out of, out of the government of this world. They'll operate out of the system of the kingdom of heaven. So we don't have to get our, we don't have to get our go ahead from man. Hmm? Why? We've been called to reach man. Who's and the man's trying to tell you no, and you need to reach him. Right? All right, now watch here. So he, says, so he tells Joshua, he says, no one will be able to stand before you, not the first ten years. He said, as long as you're on the earth, no one will stand before you. All the days of your life. So he says, in all the days of your life, he said, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. That had to make him feel a little better. Y'all help me just a little bit every now and then. Did they work y'all like indentured slaves today? I'm sorry. He says, I will not fail you, and I will not forsake you. Now, that, this is all I want to read, then we can go to the thing. Why did he tell him that no man will stand before you all the days of your life? Why would God need to tell Joshua that no man will be able to stand before him? Why do you think? Because some man was going to try to stand before him all the days of his life, so he needed to know that. Right? If this wasn't going to be an issue, why bring it up? He said, you need to know that I'll be with you the same way I was with Moses. Why didn't he tell him that? Because there's a day he's going to feel like God's nowhere around. Because he's inheriting these, these three million people. Now, the, the, the first generation has all died because they, they disobeyed God. This is the second litter, so to speak. This is the next generation, right? So they remember what happened to mom and dad and granddad and them. They're, they're all dead in the desert, right? So then he tells them, I will not fail you nor forsake you. Why does he need to tell him that? Y'all quiet bunch. Go out there and see if this says Presbyterian Church out there. I don't know. Why would God need to tell Joshua, I will not fail you nor forsake you? Reassuring. Why would he need reassuring? Because there's going to be a day that he's feeling like what? Like he's been forsaken and this thing is not working. Right? So he's telling him ahead of time before the problem comes, I'm here, I'm leading you. The way I was with Moses, you remember the Red Sea? Yeah, I, I, same God. Water comes out of a rock, feeds three million people. Yeah, that was me, I'll be with you. Manna falls down from heaven, same one, I'm with you. You get in war, you win. That was me. I'm with you. See, like this? So you, so you begin to see this and put this in your heart, and you let it begin to come out of your mouth instead of saying, I'm so broke, I can't even pay attention. I'm so sick, I'd have to die to get better. Well, that, 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 that's not a scripture. I'm sorry. So you, you begin to put the word, the, the, the word is near you, it's in your heart and in your mouth. So God has this vision for some of you, are getting a, you're beginning to see the vision. Some of you, he's trying to wake you up, take you back to it. He's trying to wake you to the vision, like I'm trying to do right now. 
right? So he's trying to wake you up and say, hey, we got a job to do. You're the one I've chosen. You're the one I've called. No one in no way in no system is going to stop you. Because to stop you, they're going to have to get to me, and no one's ever stopped me. I will not fail you, and I will always be there, and I will not forsake you. Get that in your heart. Talk about it. Put it in your mouth and teach it to your children. We are on the winning side. So before you step out and you go do the thing, is you have to get the word in you. You have to get the idea in you. You've got to get the picture in you. See, you don't possess vision. Vision possesses you. And so you'll see in about 30, see, I, I think Dr. Cho, I mean, I've listened to a few of his stuff. I don't agree with all his doctrine, but I'm not showing you for his doctrine. It's a principle. If, if a man starts with five people and goes to over 1.3 million, he's learned something. How many think if a pastor has taken church from zero to a million, he might know something about vision? All right, so let's, uh, we need some lights off, I guess, in the front. Sorry, we don't have the popcorn machines broken tonight, so we'll have to do that another time, but we're going to start. So this is Dr. Cho, now he's, he's from Korea, so he's not, like I say, he, he doesn't have a southern accent. So listen carefully. Now, oh, let me tell you where he's, at, th at this time, it took me a little while to figure this out, because it's an hour and 48 minutes, we're not watching that, we're just watching 38 minutes or something. So he's, uh, he's at Brownsville Church during the revival and uh, he's 64 years of age at this time okay and so he's come from Korea by invitation uh, to speak at Brownsville during the revival you know, remember the revival in Pensacola years ago that went on for five years and then it continued to go and then John Kilpatrick has another church in the Mobile area and has had revivals kind of, wherever John Kilpatrick goes there's always revival so this is him speaking. Patrick, for your invitation to this pulpit. A long time I wanted to come here, but the Holy Spirit did not give me permission to come. But this time, the Holy Spirit commanded me to come to deliver his message. And uh, I've come here to deliver not only God's message, but personally, I wanted to be soaked by the Holy Spirit here. <laughs> so I have that tremendous desire to receive the blessing of God here. 1961, all of those years in Korea, we've been praying for the revival in America because I always felt that we were greatly indebted to America. When the communists invaded Korea, then America sent soldiers to deliver us from the communistic attack. And 50,000 American young people died in Korea to protect Korea from the communism. So I always felt indebted deeply to pray for America. And I asked all of my Christians to pray for America every day, and especially Sunday and Friday all night prayer meeting. And in 1961, early part of 1961, I had meeting in Mobile, Alabama, and I was so burdened down in my spirit for America. I said, Father, are you going to give up America? I plead with you. But for America, there would be no Christianity existing in the whole world. America is the bulwark against atheism around the world. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit came into my soul, and Spirit said, don't worry, I'm going to send great revival to America. Yeah. Then the Holy Spirit said, this time, I'm going to, going to send my revival through this Bible belt in the southern part of America and this Pensacola area. 
So I was greatly encouraged. But I'm always afraid of prophecy. <laughs> so I was very careful. Through my ministry of 40 years, I've been always asking God to give me the gift of the healing. In our prayer mountain, when I go into prayer grotto, I always asked God to give me the gift of healing. I never asked for the gift of prophecy. <laughs> because I saw so many false prophecy through my ministry. But whenever I prayed for the gift of the healing, God would prophesy through me. So I said, Father, I don't need this. I don't like to have the gift of prophecy. Give me the gift of healing. But uh, God is a sovereign God, and he decided what he wanted to do. And he always gave me the prophecy. And I went to the Seattle, Washington to preach at the Brother Casey Treat Church. Again, I was in hotel and I was praying and praying, praying for America. Suddenly, in my vision, I saw the map of America. And I rose up in my vision and I pointed my finger on Pensacola. Pensacola is such a small town that I did not know too well. And God asked me to declare the revival wind to start to blow from Pensacola. So I said, who am I? This is foolish. Why should I stand up in hotel room and command the revival to come in Pensacola? <laughs> I felt very foolish. But God said, didn't I ask Ezekiel to command the Holy Spirit to come into the dead born? He said, you command. So I commanded the Holy Spirit to come to Pensacola. And then I announced that prophecy to the congregation, trembling. I was so scared and frightened. Then it was 1961, but nothing happened in 1961. Nothing happened in 1962. Nothing happened in 1963. And now here people begin to write back to me. Yes, are you real prophet? You prophesied a great revival in Pensacola, but nothing happened yet there. Are you sure that you gave a right kind of prophecy? And I really repented. I said, oh God, I should not have given that prophecy. I said, God, you did not show me the time of the fulfillment of the prophecy. So I'm afraid if I were going to become a false prophet. But when I heard the great sound of wind from Pensacola, I was relieved in my heart. Well, I started my ministry in 1958. We started preaching at the suburb of Seoul City with my mother-in-law, late sister Choi Jasil. She was a great prayer warrior. And 1959, Dr. John Hurston and his family joined with us together. So we started to pioneer work there. Those days, Korea was very poor after the war. Whole society was in chaos. And people were objectively poverty-stricken. But we put up the tent and we began to preach. And those days, I prayed very much. I prayed but five hours every day. Not because I was spiritual, but I had nothing to do. 
I had only five person, only five person in my congregation. <laughs> and I had a great desire in my heart. I said, Lord, if you would only give me 300 person to my church, I will never complain till I die. My vision was very small. I could not think of beyond the 300 members. The strange thing was that whenever I knelt down and prayed, suddenly in my spirit I see 3,000 people in my congregation. And I shook my head and I'm losing my mind. I said, this is impossible. This is totally impossible thing. I don't even have 30 person, but here I see constantly 3,000. So when I open my eyes, I see old 10 church with five person. But when I close my eyes, I see 3,000 people in my mind. <laughs> the spirit in, impressed in my heart with the number of 3,000, day in, day out. And so naturally, by and by, I was completely brainwashed by that vision. And I was pregnant with 3,000 people. And soon, I began to act as if I were a pastor of 3,000. I began to work with dignity like this. <laughs> and I was speaking as if I was speaking to 3,000, and these five persons would put finger into their ears and say, Pastor! Don't shout, you have only five person. You hurt our hearing. But I would say, no, I'm speaking to the 3,000 people. And they all laughed. They thought that I was joking, but I was serious because I was pregnant with 3,000 people. God put that vision in my soul and I did not know that how that vision could be fulfilled. Then in 1959, Dr. John Hurston and his family joined. And 1961, Brother Hurston and I went out to the downtown of city. He brought money from America. And we purchased the land and built a church. And by 1964, we had 3,000 people. In my own life, God always put his visions and dream my soul first. Then God gave me a great faith. First I would receive visions and dreams from the Lord, then I would pray with vision. I would never pray with empty mind. I would have a clear vision in my mind and I would pray with a vision. And then soon that vision would produce equivalent faith in my soul. In my life, it always worked like that. Church revival always started first in my heart. Then that appeared in my reality. So when I had 3,000, I was really satisfied. Then the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart. If you lift up your head and look to the north and the south, east and west, and see 6,000, I will give you 6,000. So I accepted. And I dreamed and I prayed. With vision I prayed. And after a little while, God gave me the faith. I believed. Then soon, we had 6,000. Then we had 10,000. I was very satisfied. One morning, <laughs> I came to church, and I laid down my uh, attache. I said, Lord, I'm satisfied. I have a good church, good income, good home, wonderful family. 
and what man could desire any more than this? I'm satisfied. Then the spirit says, you are finished here because you said that. He said, resign from this church and go to another place and build a church with seat with 10,000 people. And this time you should do alone. Dr. John Hurston will be gone and your, your mother-in-law will leave you. You must do alone. I said, Lord, why do you ask me to pioneer three churches? I've already suffered enough, first church and second church. And why do you ask me to go to third church? God said, I'm sovereign, don't answer to me. Go. Then I had that vision in my heart. 10,000 people in my heart. But we had no finance. We had only $1,000 in our account. And to build a church seating 10,000 people, I need millions of dollars. So I discussed with my deacons and elders, and they sat down and they would not talk anything. They were afraid of the being levied with a heavy tax. And uh, some of the elders spoke up and said to me, Pastor, you are a young man, you don't know the economy of this world. This is no time to purchase land and build a church. Whole nation is suffering and you can't get money. So after the committee, I began to pray. The Spirit said to me, when did I ask you to bring my decision through your committee? When I speak, you should obey. That's all. You should never, never discuss about my decision. Go ahead and build. So, I said, yes, I'll do that. And from that time, I kept this vision, and I prayed, and I was so frightened and scared, and I prayed and prayed and prayed. And one day, I had a great faith given in my soul. So with the vision and faith, I went to the city, purchased the land, Yedo Island, I patch up the land with credit. Then I made a contract with a contractor to build a church without having any money. And from that time on, I was living mostly in prayer. Because when I open my eyes, I see the reality. <laughs> I was shaken up. And when I pray, I live in that vision. I see the hand of God. And then the war broke out. Yom Kippur war broke out in Israel, and oil shortage came. And our people began to lose job, and bank closed the door, and the creditor came upon my neck, and I was sitting the rock bottom. I was struggling. And I was in terrible situation. Then all of my Christians began to gather together underground of the unfinished church and we had prayer meeting. Every night we would gather together and we were pouring our heart and we were praying. And I was praying to God too desperately. But in my mind, humanly speaking, there was no way for me to get millions of dollars in this situation. I knew that I would have bankruptcy. And all the denominational churches and Christians were expecting that the Pentecostal church would have a bankruptcy. They were all my Job's friends. They would come and comfort me, but they were enjoying my bankruptcy. I'm sorry to say it this way, but they really did that. 
and newspaper began to attack me, and even my dear friends in our own denomination began to attack me. So I had no friend. But in very, very cold winter evening, about 2,000 people gathered together underground of that unfinished building, and we were praying, but we were desperate, and I felt hopeless. Then one very old woman came out, trembling. She was about 80 years old. She said, Pastor, would you please give me your microphone? I said, Sister, go down and sit there. Don't harass me. I have problem enough right now. <laughs> I thought that she was senile, so I said, you go and sit down there. But she was crying all over her face. She says, Pastor, just please give me a microphone for five minutes. I want to say something to the people. So to quiet her down, I gave her microphone. I said, only five minutes. She said, folks, we've been praying for God to answer, to finish this building. She said, I have no husband, no children. I'm living by the support of government. I've been saved under the ministry of Dr. Cho, and I have a tremendous hope of going to heaven. Soon I will go to heaven. And I'm coming out here every night praying for this church. But she said, just by praying, we are not reaching to any place. It's when Jesus Christ was in the wilderness. A boy brought five bread, two fish. And we must bring five breads and two fish to God. Then we should pray. Without sacrifice, our prayer means nothing, she said. Then she unwrapped something from very old yellow newspaper. And it was a banged up old brazen rice bowl and chopstick. She said, this is all what I have in the world. This rice bowl, I eat out of it every day, the chopstick. And I want to give this rice bowl and chopstick to the work of God. She said, I can eat food out of cardboard. Instead of using chopstick, I can use my gnarled finger. But she said, I have no money. This is all what I have. And I want to give this to the altar of God and pray. And she brought that old banged up brazen rice bowl to me. My heart was so broken. I was convicted. I said, because I started to build this church, I'm even robbing this old woman of the old rice bowl which she has. I was broken down. I was crying. I said, grandmother, I can't accept that from you. I'd rather die. I'd rather give up my ministry then exploiting you. No, I can't accept. She crumbled down. She was crying. She said, because I'm an old widow, because I give a very poor things to the Lord, you are not accepting me? And she was crying. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon the congregation. All the people began to cry. All the people began to cry. The Spirit began to blow like a mighty wind. The Holy Spirit used her dedication. And then people began to stand up and they began to make pledge. People began to give their home, their whole year salary, and they began to give everything. And one night we received more than one million dollars there. At those days, dollar was very strong, you know. I could not believe my eyes. Suddenly, the door of heaven was open. And people all began to dedicate. And I received money, and I completed the building. And 
1974, when I was serving a dedication, Billy Graham came and he dedicated our church. And we had a ministry seminar. Thousands of the interdenominational ministers came to our church. And every one of them praised the Lord. And they came to me and said, we knew that you could make it. But brothers and sisters, I tell you, when you have vision and faith, God intervenes. In most of the difficult cases, in unbelieving way, God intervenes. Then, after the dedication of the building, God said, if you can have visions and dreams of the 3,000, I will give you 3,000, uh, 30,000. So, now it's easy for me to have that kind of visions. So, I had that vision and dream in my heart, and I began to pray. I should pray till I have faith. Vision is vision. But when you become pregnant with vision, then you should pray till that turn into faith. And I prayed, and I believed, and then our church grew to 30,000, 50,000. Then I was traveling in Australia. I was having a meeting there, and I came to the Perth. Then they had a Airplane stri strike in Australia, when you go there, you should expect a strike at any time <laughs> because they're striking country. <laughs> so I was stranded in Perth and I could not leave. I was in a beautiful Sheraton Hotel, but I was anxious to come out of that country. But every day there were arguments between the labor and government and there were no plane leaving. Australia and I was desperate and I was studying the Bible and I was praying at that time the Spirit said to me again Joe lift up your head look to the north and the south east and the west the land which you see I will give you I said why don't you just give me that land right away <laughs> the Lord spoke to my heart Seeing comes ahead of possession. First you must see, then you will possess. So if you could see 100,000 members in your church and believe, I will fulfill it. I said, Lord, I can handle 100,000 people. I can hardly handle the 30,000. I'm not well educated. I'm not able person. I can't handle 100,000 people. But God said, when you believe, you will have 100,000 people and you will handle 100,000 people. So, I believed. After one week, I came out of Australia and I came back home and I told the story to our people. I said, we are going to have 100,000 people. We should purchase more land. We should enlarge our church. Two elders stood up publicly and protested. He said, you are false prophets. You are exploiting the people. We can't go together with you. He said, we will fight to the last moment. You can't do that. But I said, I'm doing that because I'm servant of the Lord servant is supposed to obey the Lord. That's all. And the two persons was fighting me. They were going around discouraging people not to give money. But I believed. And we went on enlarging the church and purchasing more land. And before we complete the enlargement of our church, we had 100,000 members. Yes. Praise me of the Lord. Then again, in prayer, God put the vision in my heart. If you can embrace half a million members, I will give you half a million members. I said, no way. I cannot handle half a million people. I said, Lord, don't you know that I'm high school dropout? 
I have no college education, and I'm dumb here. So I cannot handle half a million people. But God said, my Holy Spirit can do that. You are not doing the work. The Holy Spirit in you will do that work. I'm just using as my vessel, point of contact. If you can embrace the vision of half a million, I will do it. I said, Father, why don't you choose better person? God said, since you are poor, I use you. Talented people, they cal calculate too much. But since you are fool, you don't calculate. <laughs> it was shocking. God said, since you are dumb, I'm using you. So it's okay, thank you. You are right. I don't know how to calculate. You know, I'm so dumb that I'm afraid of the computer. Whenever I see a computer, I'm scared. In my office, I have hundreds of computers, but I'm afraid of even touching the key because I'm scared. <laughs> so I accepted that God's project, I I was pregnant once again with that vision stream. And in a few years, we had half a million members. And I took my wife to Japan. I said, let's have a vacation now. <laughs> we have made it. And we can't go beyond half a million. And I said, I sacrifice you and the family. When you have a big church, you sacrifice your family. I had no time to go back home. Mostly I slept in my office. I worked for 24 hours. And so my wife and children were sacrificed. I, ha I have three boys and all of them left home. Now they are having wonderful family wonderful boys, but when they were leaving home, they come to me and said, Pastor Cho, <laughs> we know you as a pastor, not as father. And that is the reason we don't like to become a pastor. We needed you in our juvenile time, but you were not in home. So we know you from pulpit, not in the home. That is still hurting my heart. But you can't help. If you really want to have a real growing, powerful church, your family should cooperate. And I'm so happy that my wife has been cooperating with me all these years. In otherwise, I would never have been used by God this way. So I said to her, now this, we have half a million members and surely I tell you, I can handle any more than half a million people. So from now on, we will have a lot of time together. We will have a lot of travel. She will not answer. So I said, you know, I'm telling truth this time. But she says, since you got married, you have told me many a times like that. But you have never kept your promise. But I said, now it is real true. Half a million people. And... Uh, we can't expect anything more to happen. But she didn't answer. So next morning, we were having a family devotion together. I was praying together with her. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And again, he gave me prophecy, which I did not desire. <laughs> Even nowadays, I tell you, brethren, I'm afraid of prophesying. And I'm very careful. But when I pray, the prophecy comes. How can I do? The Spirit gave me the prophecy. And the prophecy came out. It's my son, you can have vacation when you come to heaven. <laughs> this is no place for you to plan for the vacation. You must work. 
He said, go back home, plan to have a one million members in your church. And I opened my mouth. I said, this is God's mistake. He can't entrust one million people to me. No way. And I said, dear, don't believe this prophecy. <laughs> I said, okay, you go ahead and purchase more land, raise more money, build more church, and set up more satellite churches because I knew that you would never keep your promise. <laughs> so we packed them, came back home, and we began to enlarge our church again. Now, in my own church, under my direct ministry, we have 700,000 people. But I have studied uh, hundreds of satellite church. And when I send out my associate, usually I chop out certain numbers of the cell system, least 3,000 to 5,000 people. I give three to 5,000 people with several millions of dollars. You go and start your work there. So I chopped out my whole area. And by that way, I started hundreds of churches. And many of my satellite church has more than 100,000 members. So if I include them, we are far beyond a million members. But even right now, I have 20 satellite churches directly under me. And most of those churches have 5,000 to the 30,000 members. And sooner or later, I'm going to make those satellite churches all sovereign church, giving out to my associate. So, our church, God has started, and God has shown me how to manage our church through cell system. I train the lay Christian, especially lay women. Women are wonderful workers. You know, when I come to America and Europe, I always challenge pastors to use women. But American and Western ministers, they are afraid of using women. I don't know why. But women are wonderful workers for the Lord. Yeah. Out of 50,000 cell leaders, 47,000 of them are women. And I have 600 full-time workers, two-thirds of them are women ministers. Number one, women are very faithful, and they don't compete with pastor. <laughs> well, so far in my ministry for 40 years, Many of my men associate, without getting my permission, they split church away and they try to start their own church. But I've never had any woman do that. They've been faithful to me. So it's very safe to use women. <laughs> and also, secondly, women are telewomen. Women talk. Men will not talk too much, but women talk always. So I said, tell a woman, tell a woman. When you make a woman cell leader, they talk in beauty parlor, they talk in the marketplaces, they talk with uh, meetings in friends. They can't talk about Jesus in our church. So through cell ministry, just purely through the cell ministry, every year we are harvesting more than 50,000 people. Since 1958 and until now, our church is uh, exactly like in the situation of Pensacola here. We have been having continual revival because God opened the door of heaven and God began to pour spirits in our church. And people come from all over Korea and from Seoul City to our church. Every day we have prayer meeting and we have, even nowadays, 13,000 to 20,000 people come together to pray. Every day, spring, summer, autumn, winter. 
Even last Wednesday, I conducted Wednesday prayer meeting. Then I came out to airport to come here. We had 20,000 people in 11 o'clock service during daytime. So we have great revival continually for 30 years. Brother Kilpatrick, just before, said that we don't know how long this revival will continue. I tell you, this will continue till Jesus comes. who's ever done what he's done with a million people. It's the principle that I wanted you to hear of the, of the vision and his faith and prayer. Do you suppose Dr. Cho would agree with no man can stand before you all the days of your life? <laughs> uh, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Uh, the other verse we know so well, and this is the eighth verse, it says, Joshua, the word came to him, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate this word day and, and night, so that you may observe to, to do according to all that's written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The word observe is the word if you do a little word study, it's the word see. It has to do with vision. You meditate the words so that you can see what God is saying in his logos, his written word. But he, you don't see in word, you see in pictures. Right? If I say the word pizza, what do you see? What do you see? Did you see the the word P-I-Z-Z-A? Or did you see a pizza? If you say the word dog or cat, what do you see? Probably your dog or your cat or your neighbors that you wish you could shoot. I don't know, something like that, but I'm just saying. But you don't see the letters, do you? D-O-G or C-A-T. He says, so you meditate the word day and night so that you may see in here. And then you pray with what you, he has shown you, a picture that you see. Because the word, the answer is near you. It's in here because now you see it. Hmm. So we'll go from there more Sunday. So I uh, hope that wasn't boring to you. But We'll be all of that Sunday. <laughs> I like your question. <laughs> That's where I thought we was at Sunday, but then I had that was, but it turned on me. So, but as far as I know, that will be Sunday. Um, only different intervals in the last twenty-two years, uh, different times. Um, I remember Brother Hagen said one time he's. He went a stretch of 14 years where he didn't have any different instructions, and he, it kind of concerned him. He says, I was hearing this and that, and he said, but you haven't given me anything. He said, what, what, what am I missing? Why do I not hear? He said, and he said, when he was praying, he said, what, why, why do you say that you did not hear? He said, well, you, haven't, you told me 14 years ago to stop to start doing this this and this and he said he said did I tell you to stop he says no he said well then keep doing what I told you 14 years ago and when I need when I just tell you something different you do that so he just assumed you know by now surely he would say this different times in in my time I've had very pinpointed instructions then after that it would be observed to 
to do, then that's being proved out that it's a time of faithfulness. That's a time to walk it out. Once again, Brother Hagin used to say, pray it out, pray the will out, and then you'll just simply walk it out. It's kind of like paving a road, then you can drive on it. Pray, pray the will of God out, then you can walk it out. He said, but if you won't invest time to pray it out, you won't walk it out, you'll have to work it out. And I've done both. And I would say, pray it out so you can, so you can walk it out so that you don't have to work it out. 